Um, well, as I said before, this month we're talking a lot about fear. Um, and fear is one of the most common emotions that we have. A lot of times we don't de define it that way or we give other names to it because there are a lot of different words we use uh, to describe uh, fearful things. Uh, do you remember the t-shirt slogan? Maybe it's been quite a while back. No fear. And uh, I thought, well, I'm not sure if I really agree with that. I kind of understand the sentiment of it. Because sometimes, as I was telling the kids, uh, there are some things we need to be afraid of. And fear is what tells us to, uh, to run, to get out of there. Fear is what tells us we need to defend ourselves. It's foolish to never have any fear. To have no fear at all would be kind of dumb. Uh, one of my favorite animated movies is Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Have you seen it? Isn't it great? Uh, each emotion is personified by a different character, and so it's, it's, it's funny, it's insightful. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 98, so that's pretty good. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you uh, one of the trailers for Inside Out. Let's watch. Uh, fear is important. But fear becomes unhealthy when it's not based on reality. Fear is un becomes unhealthy when it's not based on reality. You've all heard that uh, public speaking is the, is the biggest fear, and that the second biggest fear is death. That means, as Jerry Seinfeld used to say, at a funeral, most people would rather be in this casket than giving the eulogy. So... You know, for me, my fear uh, about being up here on Sundays is not about public speaking. My fear is about not having, anything, not having anything worth saying. And so the fear that I battle, is I deal with during the week as I am preparing. When I was a younger pastor, uh, there were some times on Saturday nights when I'd go kind of into a, a mild panic, afraid that, you know, this, this, this message is, is no good, you know, uh, it, it lacks depth, it lacks power, it, it's going to bore people to death. And then I say, oh, then I look over my notes again, and I take a deep breath, and I realize, no, everything's okay. That's just my fear running away with me. Maybe that's the voice of the evil and trying to get me to feel defeated. You see, my fear wasn't based on reality. It wasn't based on what is true. And I think that happens to all of us, right? We're afraid that we won't be good enough. We're afraid that uh, our work won't measure up. We're afraid that we're going to fall short and, and people won't approve of us, you know, our family and our friends. And, and really think about it. How often are those fears substantiated how, how often are they based in reality I think hardly ever those fears are really a projection of our own insecurities aren't they our verse of the month is Psalm 56 verse 3 when I am afraid I put my trust in you some of you heard that last week and I hope you've been thinking about it letting it kind of roll around in your head a little bit, and if not, try to lock it in today or write it down so you can take it home with you. Let's say it all together, shall we? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It's a great little prayer. Uh, so I want you to imagine now that your, your fears that you have that get in the way in your life, that they're no longer an issue anymore, okay? What, and you, maybe you've seen a question like this before. What would you attempt 
if you knew you would not fail? What would you attempt? If you knew, hey, it's going to go great. I'm not going to fail. Maybe you'd uh, make a career change. Maybe you'd run for office. Maybe you'd start a nonprofit or audition for a play. Maybe you'd raise a million dollars for charity or become a foster parent or sign up to be a teammate mentor. What would you attempt if you knew you wouldn't fail? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a moment to turn to a few neighbors around you and share how you might answer that question. I know this is one that takes just a little bit of thought, but just kind of go with whatever pops into your head. Uh, and obviously sharing is optional. You don't have to do it. You can just listen to other people and, and hear what they might say. And since sometimes we're kind of scattered about here, try to include some who are either in front of you or behind you, okay? So I'm just going to give you a minute or so to, uh, to share. Just go for it. All right, it's good to kind of hear you do this and, and, and roll out with this and share with each other and have a good time doing it. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been trained to do in this last year is to coach people. And so I'm, I'm coaching other pastors in our conference, and, and I've even started coaching a few people here in our church. And, and one of the things that we're trained to do is kind of, you know, every once in a while as a, as a coach, you want to give people a little push. And, and I think a question like that is kind of is this way, you know, gives us a little push. What would you attempt if you knew you wouldn't fail? Uh, today, um, we're going to get the, the, the big idea today in, in, a, in a few stages. And so here's the first installment. Don't be afraid of success or failure. You weren't thinking that the word success would be in there, were you? But don't be afraid of success or or failure. I love this quote uh, from Marianne Williamson. She says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? She says, Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Playing small does not serve the world. She says we are all meant to shine as children do. You, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in, in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. You know, if what she says is true, then what holds us back isn't just our fear of failure. Sometimes it may be our fear of success. Isn't that interesting? We're like the disciples who stayed in the boat. You know, in the passage Larry read for us, the disciples who stayed in the boat. We're not just afraid of sinking in the water. We're afraid of walking on the water. Let's open our Bibles to that, shall we? Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to start with verse 25. Uh, in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 981. 
And, as always, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Maybe you are curious about Jesus, and, and if you are, then I would recommend uh, reading in one of these Gospels, these biographies about Jesus. Matthew wrote one of them. And uh, so just take that pew Bible home. You can have it. You can keep it. You don't have to ask. Just, it's yours. Uh, now, four times, on four occasions in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid. And each one of those passages is, our script, is a scripture for this series. Four times Jesus sees that what his disciples are afraid of does not match the reality of who God is and what God is doing. Now, earlier in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to feed this crowd of 5,000 people. Like, go for it. Well, they're standing around like, we can't do that. We only have five loaves and a couple of fish. So they give them to Jesus, and he blesses them. And amazingly, at the end of the afternoon, everybody's had enough to eat. And the exclamation point of the story is that each of the disciples, when they're cleaning up later, comes back with a basket full of food. Basket full of leftovers, pieces. So the whole day turns into a much bigger success than anybody imagined. So don't be afraid of success or failure. Now, after the cleanup, Jesus sends his disciples off in the boat, go across the lake, uh, while he stays, he, you know, he stays back and says goodbye to all the people. And then he goes up onto a hill, and he spends the night up there alone praying. Meanwhile, the boat is off far from shore, and the disciples are, are struggling to make progress because the waters are choppy, and they're, they're paddling against the wind. Let's look at now verse, verses 25 and 26. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. I could just hear him ah! screaming. And they, they see this figure moving across the water. Now, the Greek word translated for ghost here is phantasma, from which we get the word phantom, kind of like a ghost. And it just it, it freaks them out. And, and, you know, when one person sees a ghost, that's a hallucination. When you elbow your neighbor next to you and say, do you see what I see? And they go, yeah, then that's something to really be scared of. But... Their fear does not correspond to reality. The figure on the water speaks to them. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Last week we saw that what Jesus commands, he also empowers. And we're going to come back to that theme every Sunday this month. What Jesus commands, he also empowers to happen. By the power of his word, he enables it. He says, take courage. Don't be afraid. And between those two commands, we see those three little words, it is I. Now, it is I is probably the best translation that we can have in English for, for the Greek here, but a more word-for-word -word translation would be, I am. Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. 
And by saying, I am, Jesus is identifying himself with the God of the Jewish Bible, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, the God who, who parted the seas for their Hebrew ancestors escaping from Egypt, the, the God who told Moses that his name is Yahweh, meaning I am. So Jesus is speaking with authority. Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. So let's build on our big idea and let's say it together, shall we? Don't be afraid of success or failure. Jesus is with you. Now, 12 guys are in a boat. One has the courage to step out. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, let me kind of pause here and do a little parentheses section. Maybe you have some serious doubts when you read something in the Bible like this. You know, you wonder whether it really could happen, whether Jesus and Peter could actually have walked on water. Here are just a few reasons that nudge me in the direction of accepting Jesus' miracles in the Bible as historical. First, of all the accusations leveled against Jesus by his enemies, they never denied his miracles. They tried to discredit his miracles, saying that they were from the devil, but they never said they didn't happen because everybody would have laughed them out of town. You know, so many people witnessed those miracles, they couldn't deny that they had happened. Secondly, the Gospels were first told and then later written when many people who witnessed those events were still alive and could corroborate them. And if they hadn't happened, they would have just, again, been easily dismissed. It's like trying to deny the Holocaust. I mean, there are so many people, uh, survivors. Uh, there are not a lot left now, but there are still some. And... Um, and, and, and those who have been uh, survivors have recorded in, in over and over and over their experiences. And, and, and so it leaves me to, the, to say there's no way you could ever deny that that happened. There are too many testimonies out there to deny that. And then third, it's hard for me to imagine how the movement of Jesus' followers could have swept across the Roman Empire the way it did if it weren't for Jesus' resurrection, that it was historical. And if, and if Jesus' resurrection happened, then for me, it gives credibility to his other miracles. Now, I know you've got to process this in your own way, but even if you are hesitant to accept uh, this as historical, I think there's still a message here for you, Okay? Don't be afraid of success and failure. Jesus is with you. Jesus empowers Peter to walk on water, and he's going to empower Peter to do a lot more things after this. One day, Peter's going to speak to the crowds in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people are going to believe in Jesus and be saved in one day. Later on at the temple one day, Peter will see a man who has, been, who has not been able to walk his entire life. For, over 40 years old, Peter's going to tell, he's going to speak to the man in the power of the name of Jesus, 
and tell the man to get up and walk and that man's going to get up and walk and then he's going to start jumping around and praising God. Now, Peter had that success but as you start to read the Bible about him you realize he's not all success. <laughs> uh, and so let's go to verse 30. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. When, when he starts out, I can imagine Jesus, it says he walked, Peter, he, Peter, he walked to Jesus. So he's, he's focused on, on Jesus that he's going to. And then he turns his attention. He starts looking around him. And I can hear him, you know, I can imagine him hearing his clothes flapping in the wind and he sees these, these waves that are, that are coming and splashing against him and, and he can feel the spray of the water hitting his face. And in his fear, he starts going down. Now, I started thinking, now what would that have been like? Did he just kind of slowly sink, you know, like ankle deep, then up to knee deep and... Did it kind of happen slowly, or did he just start going down quick, like all of a sudden, up to his neck? I don't really know. Uh, but but he, it was fast enough that he just starts, he cries out. He, he's desperate. And it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Now, this next thing that Jesus says, here's my take on it. That Jesus is kind of smiling chuckling maybe you know <laughs> Peter you have little faith why did you doubt hey big guy you know and just kind of having fun with it you know so here here's the deal we're, we're building on our big idea and so here's the final version of it let's all let's all try this don't be afraid are you with me don't be afraid of success or failure Jesus is with you. He will empower you to succeed and pull you up when you fail. How reassuring is that? I mean, Peter's a lot like us, you know, a mixture of, of success and failure. Jesus knows that we're going to flip and flop between faith and doubt. And he says, don't be afraid. And when our faith is overwhelmed by fear, he says, I'll catch you. I'm look, I wonder if there's somebody out here today that is thinking about finishing school, going back, finishing that degree. Maybe you're afraid. Well, Jesus will empower your success, and if you fail, he will catch you. So don't be afraid. You know, once you start hanging around people here at Faith Westwood, you're going to meet a lot of folks who are daring new things all the time. I, I hear about it. I, I know a guy in this church who's, you know, um, never been a Bible reader, kind of intimidated a little bit by the Bible, and uh, anyway, he decided he was going to try to read the Bible through. And uh, he took the first step out of the boat when he, when he bought himself one of the uh, one-year Bible, which is uh, a Bible that's all, all arranged with readings for a year, uh, and uh, so, you know, when you, when you start something like, when you buy that kind of Bible and you start on January 1, I mean, you don't know how it's going to go. Are you going to lose steam, you know, halfway through Leviticus and then give up? Or what's going to happen? But 
Anyway, he's kept on up with it, and he, he says, I'm kind of enjoying it. He told, last thing he told me, and he said I could share this with you, but uh, he says he's 12 days ahead <laughs> in his readings. Uh, you know, I, I made a commitment during Lent to do some fasting. Probably a lot of you did too. And uh, one of the most historic ways of fasting, uh, and the one that the early Methodists did, is to fast one day a week um, until the end of the afternoon. And uh, I've, I've done that before, you know, I, it's not new to me. Uh, and so when I do that, then I just have water and tea until 5 o'clock. And just so you know, fasting is not about punishing yourself or trying to make yourself worthy of God's love and attention. Uh, when I fast, I fast to intensify my prayer life. Uh, I fast to have a deeper hunger for God. But I'll tell you this, it's always hard. It's never easy. And this year, you know, some of my weeks where I would fast one day a week, it went fine. But I also had a couple of weeks during Lent where I didn't make it to 5 o'clock. And it wasn't because I was in pain. It wasn't because I was, you know, feeling faint <laughs> or lightheaded or anything like that. I don't... I can't really tell you, give you a good explanation for it. I felt like Peter, you know, that I'm daring to do this, this big thing for God and, then I, I'm, and now I'm starting to sink. But then I also remember that he doesn't condemn me for my little faith. When I succeed, I do so in his power and when I fail, he pulls me up. Um... Some of you have probably seen the, the two guys that have started dressing up in hero costumes with the uh, alter egos Pete and Repeat. Uh, their, their real names are, are Brian and Travis, and uh, they came to me a while back with this idea uh, that uh, what if Faith Westwood had one of the fireworks stands in town and the money could go for vacation Bible school and, and um, you know, other stuff for children's ministries and student ministries. And I said, wow, that's, that's really, I never thought of that, but, you know, let me know what you find out. And they said, well, it, it might be too late for this year, but we'll, we'll go check it out. Well, they came back to me later and said that one of the other nonprofits had canceled and Faith Westwood could step in to that spot and have a fireworks stand this year if we act fast. So we had to kind of jump through all the hoops and check with our insurance and do all those things and we signed up. You know, I love being in a church where it's okay to dare to do something new, not knowing whether it's going to succeed or fail. But either way, either way, we have a net under us. Jesus empowers us to succeed and pulls us up when we fail. That means it's okay either way, right? So let me ask you, what is one area of your life where you've been hanging back? Fear has sort of got its grip on you and not allowing you to move forward. You're afraid maybe to succeed or afraid to fail. And today, you've been hearing from Jesus. And he says, take courage. Take courage. 
It is I. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, today we are here listening to that word. What a powerful word speaking right into our lives. And Lord, you know that area of our lives right where we need to hear it too. So, so let it go there. Let us hear it. And uh, Lord, don't let it go away when we walk out of here. Let that voice continue to speak to us right where, at that point where we need it. And um, that somehow, Lord, you will set us free. Set us free from the bondage that holds us back. And uh, Lord, may we find that uh, our courage comes, it is, it is empowered by your command. We pray, Jesus, in your great name and all God's people said, amen.